You're listening to the Tuesday Talks podcast, your source of truth in communications, identity management, and technology. In this episode, Numerical's VP of Trust Solutions, Sarah Delphi, hosts a returning guest to our podcast, Frank Pedinato, who's the CEO of Avantive Solutions, to discuss the current landscape of risks facing callers in an ever-changing regulatory ecosystem. And they'll have a great visual aid that you can find on our website or in the show notes of the episode. They'll have some dialing strategies and best practices and some ROI metrics and use cases on managing branded calling campaigns, all of which reinforce the need for an aggregated platform to review data and make decisions on where to pivot and improve campaign efficacy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Tuesday Talks. This is a live discussion where we bring truth and shed light across brand identity and the communications industry. My name is Sarah Delphi. I am the VP of Trust Solutions here at Numerical, and I'm going to be co-hosting today's session with Frank Petnato, the CEO at Avantive Solutions. Hi, Frank. Good to see you again. Thanks, Sarah, for having me for another podcast. Um, I'm especially excited about today's subject and uh, look forward to kind of an exciting half hour. Perfect. Yeah, and this is... For those who don't know, we uh, had a joint session together uh, at the Call and Contact Center Expo in Las Vegas, which we did live, some master classes, and we got a really great reception while we were there. Uh, and a lot of folks came to join that or viewed it online afterwards. A lot of the feedback that we received, we try and be really informative about what we provide, what we're putting forward, and put that even ahead of our own business interests, right? It's it's really about making sure that people understand what the product does do, doesn't do, what are the benefits, what are the limitations, and try and cut through some of the insane confusion about what folks are supposed to do this day and age while trying to deliver phone calls. So for anybody who didn't see the full masterclass and would like to see that, that's viewable on the numerical website. We can share a link to that as well, or you can look at that online. Um, but I will say one of the things, so today we're going to talk about a couple of the things, uh, questions that came out of that that we didn't really have time to cover or that you know, we wanted to talk about in a little bit more depth. And one of those was we got a lot of questions about, hey, there's a lot, right? You've just given me a lot of information about you know, how I should be making calls, what all the risks are that I should be thinking about. Can you break it down for me? Because... I just, I don't even know where to start, I think is a sentiment we've heard a lot. And I don't know if you've heard that as well, Frank, just mm-hmm. from people that are really confused. Yeah, uh, you know, I agree. The audience was was very engaged for the master class. I was pleased at the at the number of folks that took time to, to sit in our session and learn about branded calling and outbound dialing strategies. And some of the follow-up questions we had were about, um, like we talked about, like risks, regulatory implementation, and a lot about justification of cost, return on investment. You know, what are metrics that could be used to to evaluate it, and how do we how do brands implement it in order to gain and garner the benefit that we've that we've seen over the last couple of years? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I want to run through that a little bit more today and talk a little bit more about some of the risks that service providers face uh, when heading into that calling ecosystem. And we actually have, um, for folks that are here live, a graphic that I'm going to speak to that we'll make sure is available on the numerical website that I think 
I'm going to speak to you live. So if you're just hearing the audio, you're not missing anything, but I think it, it really helps kind of consolidate what we're talking about. And if you want to take a look at that, we'll make sure it's available with the podcast um, recording afterwards. So I'm going to talk a little bit about, I really want to distill down, okay, you've told me that there's a lot of things and I'm basically terrified of, <laughs> of being able to complete phone calls, right? This is some of the feedback we got after our master classes. Can you give me a little bit more of a breakdown of, you know, what that is and what's going on? So I, I really want to simplify when you're entering into the calling space, there's kind of three categories of big risks risks that callers face. One is their customer and business risks. So risks involving their own customers and their business when you're making calls that you, you may have poor call practices. And one of those is, you know, the, those metric driven outcomes that Frank can speak more eloquently about than I, which is low answer rates. You're going to have low conversion, low success. When folks don't want to talk to you or you haven't set things up properly, you can run into customer complaints. Do not call requests to be removed from call lists. You know, it's important for your customers to be happy, but it's also really important for your agents to be happy, right? If your agents feel like they're not offering value to the folks that they're calling and they're just being an annoyance, that's going to come through on those conversations and it's going to be a problem. As well as, you know, if you have to make more phone calls, if you're not being as successful, that comes with a high cost. The other thing I talked about a little bit, uh, I'll go over briefly here, is legal risks, right? So, disclaimer, not a lawyer. Please talk to your own lawyer uh, and, and not able to give you legal advice on this. But there's a whole an increasing list of different legal rules that come into play when you're looking to enter the calling ecosystem, right? The basics certain rules about consent under the TCPA, when you need to collect that, when you don't. Uh, there's do not call lists, right? There's rules about if your, your recipients are on the do not call list that changes the way that you interact with them depending on the nature of the communication that you're making. You also have to think about, okay, what's my caller ID presentation, right? Am I being labeled as scam or a spam? Have I enabled my caller ID? Do I have branding uh, enabled if that's something that I want to do? And how do I need to present my calls from a legal perspective to make sure that I'm clear and transparent? There's rules about timing. There's rules about context. There's rules about content, what you can and can't say when you can call somebody. And of course, you know, data privacy, right? You can only disclose if you're making a collections call or a call related to private medical information, how much you can list. So it's kind of the second arm of these risks that we're talking about and why it's really important to have both partners that understand these rules and regulations in the business, but also to make sure you have good advice yourself because every business is different. Every call campaign is different. And so making sure you have access to good legal advice um, that can be provided specific to your organization is really important, especially for somebody new coming into this. And then the last thing I'll the kind of arm of risk is those phone vendor and network risks. These are things that are somewhat outside your control, but are things that you know will impact you and, you and your business, which is call blocking and labeling, which obviously is directly connected to your calling practices, but is done by an external party. You can have penalties or suspensions with your vendor if you have complaints or if they're poor traffic metrics, which can have a huge impact. I will tell you, for anybody who doesn't know, I used to run a fraud department at a carrier and this was my job to do. 
uh, and we did suspend customers when on occasion when there were issues and they couldn't be resolved and it did have an impact and unfortunately we would try and give as much warning as we could but if there were consumers that were being impacted it was what it was we just had to take action to stop the harm that was being done and the crime that was being done on that same note you know if your vendor has an outage because there's an enforcement and they against them or one of their partners and they get taken out of route or they have a disruption it could be very disruptive to your business. And then of course, you know, the thing that's plagues a lot of businesses today, which is third party spoofing, right? If somebody's using your phone number, which usually we see primarily with businesses that, you know, they're they're at high risk of being targeted, like banks, uh, government institutions, but it can also happen incidentally for, for certain businesses by a fraudulent uh, actor. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about, as well about what are the things that drive that but uh, Frank, uh, I'll get your, your, your input on this, of course, because this is something that you know even far better than I do. But, you know, all three of those are driven by really the experience and how you're setting things up. All of this is going to be determined before you even start making and dialing outbound. And it's really going to be set up by if you've improperly set your client expectations and, and not set uh, obtained appropriate consent that's gonna drive all three of these risks. It's gonna drive consumer complaints, which is a feedback loop, right? If you're making unwanted phone calls and those consumers complain, those complaints can impact the way that your calls are being labeled, your calls may be labeled as scams and then they may become even less successful or there may be more complaints. So there's a snowball effect that can happen if this is something you try and do after the fact versus setting yourself up for success from the beginning. Those poor call traffic statistics, if you are, you know, blasting out calls to leads that maybe don't have a good connection, they weren't properly set up, they don't see value in what you're offering, those poor call statistics can come back at you. If you're not being clear about and upfront about your caller identity uh, and what you're, why you're calling, who are you, why are you calling somebody? And again, if you choose those partners that may have be at risk of being disrupted in their business that can also cause a problem as well for you it's not just their problem it can be your problem as well so i wanted to kind of run through that real quickly just to to recap some of that information from the event and and really get frank's take on it again as well um so yeah frank anything you wanted to, to add on that piece no first of all this is a this is a great visual on kind of the dynamics of outbound calling and the risks. Uh, and there's other variables here, landline versus wireless. Wire, you know, the wireless consent is critical and there's a lot of state regulations as well as the P TCPA that have to be taken into account. So it's just important that anyone who's partaking in outbound calling understands their consent understands customers, members, patients, the arrangements that you have, the state regulations, the TCPA, and other kind of similar state level TCPAs in order to make a kind of a robust model on how you're gonna execute some, some outbound calling. Um, the labeling piece is, is, is important. Um, these days, a lot of outbound calls are, are made using SIP, and that's where basically 90 plus probably almost 100% of the scam calls are because of the low cost structure. So therefore, simply being using a SIP vendor 
um, put you at risk. And then do, does your primary SIP vendor, who may be a reliable vendor, hand it off to perhaps a vendor that is not as robust? And so there could be chances that your calls could be unknowingly blocked at any point as that outbound call is being sent to a recipient. So this is a real impact to a performance. And you talked about that, the customer business risks, you know, the low answer rates, which could be, you know, a result of labeling spam, scam, um, high cost of not being able to contact the folks that you actually want to contact to to conduct business. And agent dissatisfaction, I think, is a brilliant addition to this because at the end of the day, you know, we need to rely on this critical asset, which is our agents, in order to engage with you know, customers, members, prospect, uh, prospects, or patients, whomever we're calling, and be you know, smile on their face the whole time. If they're not getting a lot of high answer rates or they're seeing or they're hearing on the call where a recipient is seeing that it's a scam, spam call, that is a, a major disset, you know, dissatisfier. I would tell you that um, you know other tactical pieces that to take into account are number of call IDs you use so that you're not over heavily concentrating a lot of outbound calls on one number because that's a red flag, and you know consideration of branded calling, which we're going to talk about as we go through today's presentation, as a mitigation factor because that prepares the callee to receive a call from a brand that they hopefully are expecting a call from, which makes that transaction just all that much better. It potentially increases live answer rates. If it's a sales call, potentially increases conversion rates. So, you know, I think that that's, uh, you know, that, that, that is a critical, a critical component of mitigating, mitigating those risks. So, you know, if I were to say the biggest, the biggest mitigation strategies are one, understand your, your compliance, like really be intimate with it. Two, have hygiene of your caller ID numbers. Make sure they're registered. Um, make sure that they're yours to use. Make sure you're using a low ratio so that you're not highly concentrating a lot of calls on on a caller ID. Um, and consider consider branded calling as as a strategy as well, which will allow um, not only potentially for the calls to be completed because the carriers understand that you must be a serious brand if you're going through the effort of branding your call. Right. Um, but a recipient may be predisposed to, to pick up that number, pick up that phone and engage with, engage with you, which is ultimately the, you know, the outcome. So, you know, thanks for putting the slide together. I think it's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Any other comments you had on, you know, there's so many risks listed on here. Um, any other thoughts you had on really if somebody was new into this ecosystem, what's the most important thing that somebody needs to focus on to mitigate yeah. their risks? Yeah, I think it's a continuum at the beginning. I, I, the concept of consent and non-consent dialing, um, wireless mobiles, like really understand what, the, what that is. Do you have the ability to call whomever you're trying to call on their wireless phone? Make sure that you're compliant with the TCPA and all state regulations. I think that's the starting point. Uh, from yeah. there, it becomes tactical. Make sure you're working with robust carriers that have good reputations. Make sure that you're not overly concentrating caller IDs. And um, you know, consider branded calling. I mean, the low quality carrier piece is, is big. I mean, when you look at, if you actually started pulling statistics of calls that are actually getting blocked, it's, it's pretty staggering. 
or yeah. marked as lab as labeled. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, a service that numerical offers related to the, the number of hygiene where they will actually be looking at the, your caller IDs to make sure they're not inappropriately being marked as spam and scam. And then you can either take that number out of rotation to put a rest on it or whatever action you choose to take will increase your performance. Um, so it is a, it is a small investment that is, is worthwhile. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I, just from my perspective, my past on the carrier fraud side, I, I would give a very similar answer, which is yes, of course, you need to make sure you're you're accomplishing your legal basics and obligations in terms of the consent that you need to collect. And then really it's about, yeah, that value proposition and controlling for what you can control um, and, and taking advantage of items like branded calling, which, you know, when it comes to how you track that ROI and those metrics for branded calling. How do you recommend that folks track those across, let's say they have different carriers that are offering branding solutions and each one is reporting back to you. You know, how, how do you cut through that noise and really figure out what the value is of branded calling? So it's an excellent question. A lot of it has to do with the use case and, and there's many. So let's take kind of the most typical, which would be a, an outbound telemarketing call, for example, which is most likely the highest volume. Um, <clears throat> there's a cost. And if you're in a business where you're doing a lot of attempts, uh, you may choose not to brand every single attempt in order to just optimize your cost structure. The other part is, is the, is the recipient expecting a call from your specific brand? Because you could actually disincent someone from answering the call if they're not expecting a call from your brand, or in some cases don't even know your brand. But the opposite is true. If it is a well-known brand or a brand that the recipient is perhaps interested in speaking to or expecting, then your ROI may be very, very positive. You're going to get highly engaged, motivated people answering the phone. Yeah, so, Frank, I just say that's one of the, the most simple thoughts that I I think I saw so many nodding heads when you mentioned that at the conference that really hadn't put it together, which is it, it, it's simple, right? If if folks know you and they want to talk to you, branding your communications adds so much value. You know, I think about my experience when I was telling somebody this the other day that it when someone calls me, I hear my phone go off, but it doesn't give me any indication of whether or not that's anything I wanna see. The first indication I get is when I look at caller ID and I make that decision. And I'm somebody that does not like to answer the phone live. I am not a live talker. I'm not, unless I know you, I'm, I'm just gonna let you go to the voicemail most of the time, but you're exactly right. Like if, I, if I'm somebody where if I know you, I wanna talk to you, I have a relationship with you, it makes all the difference in the world as to whether I'm gonna pick it up. Yeah, and I think, you know, there are other high value transactions that branding in this case, um, you know, assuming you did everything else, right? You've got your consent, your non-consent, you've got your caller ID hygiene, and we're just talking mm -hmm. about branding here. If there's high value transactions where you absolutely need to get a hold of a, a patient or a member of an insurance company, uh, especially our, our older population that are basically told not to answer the phone if they don't know who's calling. I mean, this is where branded calling on, on a wireless network really makes sense. Um, the value there is high, not only for the brand, but it also 
gives comfort to the recipient that, hey, I'm talking to my own insurance company or I'm talking to my doctor's office or, you know, the nurse is calling me Um, or, you know, think about another brand. It's like, hey, my my cable company is calling me. This is awesome. I love my cable company. I can't wait to talk to them or. Not yeah. my experience personally, but yeah. <laughs> well, it's wishful thinking, right? But um, what we found is, you know, when we, we listened to a lot of phone calls early in the early days to try to understand what, what the reaction was, both at the agent level and the consumer level. Mm-hmm. And generally what we found is if someone is interested in answering the, the call because they see the brand, the call starts off very, very positive. That initial block where I don't know who you are and I have some distrust is kind of goes away. And then it's a favorable interaction, which benefits both the consumer member patient, but as, as well as the agent. And there's a lot of satisfaction. And typically the outcome of those calls is, um, is closer to the, to, you know, a positive, right? They're positive interactions. Therefore they end positively. The opposite is if someone chooses not to answer the call because they're not interested in speaking to the brand, they've, basically saved you a little bit of time theoretically. Um, hence the reason why I often uh, often like to rotate caller IDs or branded calling on and off because you may you may get somebody to answer the phone um, unbranded and then you have an opportunity to give them the pitch because uh, mm. we don't want to we don't want to preclude you know someone listening to an awesome offer um, to buy some amazing service simply because we branded it with a brand that they may not be interested in speaking to at that moment. So they see it and they go, I don't have a current account. This must be a sales pitch and, you know, maybe not so much. Um, Yeah, it makes sense. And I I think that drives back around to thinking it's circular in the other direction, as much as complaints drive poor call metrics and it makes it even more, the snowball effect happens in the opposite direction, right? If you start out positively, you create those positive interactions, which are reflected in the call records and in a lack of complaints and long talk times. And all of these things drive back into positive reputations, which Mm -hmm. lowers your, your likelihood of being spam rated. Because, and this is another thing that I think really resonated at the conference is thinking about, you know, carriers are people too, right? They, they absolutely do not want to block legitimate phone calls that their subscribers want to receive. So there was a lot of frustration from folks of saying like, why would they do this? My calls are legal. How could they do this to me? Why won't somebody stop them? Right. But I, I think you and I both both are of the same mind that, you know, there's so little information that somebody in that position has when they're trying to make a decision that it's really mostly driven by complaints and it's driven by call metrics. Right. And if you don't if you don't give that an opportunity to be a negative factor for you in the way that you've described, then it's, it's only going to service you even better and, and feed back into those positives as well. And Sarah, a couple of points come to mind on kind of, we'll call it surprises that we found mm. using branded calling. One is um, customer initiated return phone calls. So someone may be busy or away from their phone, but they now it's branded. So they actually see the name of the company on their phone. They actually hit a redial. So we get a lot more inbound calls, which is awesome because I love when people call us versus we call them. And then 
another amazing statistic is um, an increase in net promoter score. So many brands do post-interaction net promoter score surveys. And the branded calling, um, customers that received a branded calling had an interaction, positive or negative, in the sense of it was either successful or unsuccessful, um, ended up giving a wildly higher net promoter score, perhaps because they were brand um, advocates to start. Right. But that that one metric, and it was it's been proven over you know at this point uh, you know a year plus of collecting data, it's very consistent. Net promoter scores have increased uh, when a recipient gets a branded phone call. So you know we're yeah. we're excited. So I was going to give a um, just a kind of a just to give context a, a, a use case that I like. Um, yeah. You know, many of us on the phone have pets. And uh, from time to time, and it's unfortunate, pets do get lost, whether they run away or for whatever purpose. So a pet, pet recovery companies, um, typically what they do is they put a chip, a microchip in your, in your pet. Um, a vet office or a police station or a shelter can read that chip, contact the pet recovery service and say, hey, we found, you know, Fifi. Um, please call the mom, the pet parent and tell them that we found them. So that's a pretty important phone call that the, the, the pet parent should be expecting because they really want their, their dog back. Um, the brand typically uses an 800 number, innocuous, and most I wouldn't expect anyone to remember the 800 number of their pet recovery service. I would not remember, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, so uh, when we started branding it, um, we saw a lot of amazing things happen, right? Because we're now, the time it takes to get a pet back to their parent is, is uh, decreased significantly. We saw a 25% increase in unique contact. So that means we contacted 25% more people and a 15% increase in live answer rate. But the call recordings were the part that was amazing. People literally said on the phone call, I would have not answered this phone call unless it was branded. Thank you for finding my pet. People are in tears. You could just imagine the emotions. This is the magic of a simple aspect of a use case for branded calling that is so high value. And I think we can all understand it if we were in that situation that, um, you know, we get so many phone calls that I don't know who they are. Cutting through the noise on a, an important phone call is, is critical. And you can apply that to, to anything, right? Um, you know, an uh, um, uh, insurance company calling members, you know, uh, uh, you know, medical practice calling patients, whomever, right? Or, we just you need... know, I have one of these four-hour windows for delivery of my furniture where I have yeah. to sit and wait around. If that company calls and I see their logo, I'm going to pick up immediately. Finally, yep. great, awesome. Let's schedule this. Let's come by and do it. I mean, yep. when it's an expected, wanted communication, it's just, it creates all the value in the world. Yeah, visiting nurses is another one because the nurses have to call the patients saying, hey, I'm on my way. And if they're not familiar with the number, they may not get a hold of somebody. So it just drives a lot of efficiency. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I do want to leave some time right at the end for some questions. I think we had one here, which is, um, could you talk a little bit of this is a good one for you, Frank. The ease of implementation for branding. Any recommendations um, as well? Um, just can you talk a little bit more about, you know, how do you put that together? Is it complicated, especially if you're you're using multiple different processes? 
Yeah, great question. So, you know, the market has evolved quickly over the last 24 months. And um, it's a bit fragmented in the sense that each carrier has to be touched in, independently. So a company like Numerical has built those relationships up and more importantly, has um, consolidated some of the reporting um, in smart branding, uh, which allows your customers to take a look and, and in real time kind of see exactly what, what's happening. I'd say the implementation process is, is not incredibly complicated. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of compliance documentation. One, making sure that you have the authority to use the brand, which totally makes sense. Right. Um, you know, once that all that information is provided, then um, a company like Numerical will actually send that off to all the different carriers and their carriers partners and and get that set up. Uh, it's all done out of band at the network level. So very little or if any work needs to be done uh, on your own telephony platform. You may choose to use the branded calling on some caller IDs and not. You may use use alternate caller IDs to rotate it on and off. I mean, those are things that can be managed at the uh, at the dialer level, um, but since it's all out of network on the cloud, once you register a caller ID that is going to get a treatment, you know it happens, and then you know that the reports that come back vary by by carrier. Um, and some some come back with some very rich data, including number of calls that are blocked, you know, or flagged, and you'll see that once the branding calls. Once you start branding, that number, the amount of those calls goes down. But, you know, I would say it's a matter of preference. I'm a big advocate of not branding every single call, uh, at least now. I think there's some maturity. There's a maturity cycle in the marketplace where consumers need to get more comfortable and understanding of branding yeah. calling. Uh, but from a cost mitigation standpoint, you know, it's a good it's a good strategy to kind of consider judiciously and look at the ROI and then continue to manage your investment appropriately. For sure. Um, well, I do want to be conscious of time. I think we run right up on the end. Uh, so I just wanted to say thank you again, Frank, for joining and for sharing your expertise. We will certainly be hearing more from you. And thank you to everybody else as well for joining us for another episode of Tuesday Talks. If this topic resonated with you, uh, again, you can check out those master classes, which are available online. If you can't get enough of Sarah and Frank and you need to hear more from us or from others that we have internally from our sales and marketing team, you can access those on the website and in the show notes section of this episode, anywhere you're streaming it. Uh, and just keep in mind, there's not a one size fits all solution, but the class has some more information. It's more visual aids on everything that we've covered today and has a deeper dive on how you can empower your team with a customer centric approach in mind, which we do love. How can we create value and drive, you know, those wanted expected communications? And thank you again, Frank, for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. Thanks, everyone, for joining. We'd like to thank you for tuning in to another episode of Tuesday Talks. For a deeper dive into this episode's topic, be sure to check out the masterclass that Sarah and Frank recently taught together, which you can also find on our website and in the show notes of this episode, wherever you're streaming it from. Our next live episode will be in two weeks on Tuesday, June 6th, where Pierce Gorman, distinguished member of Numerical's technical staff, welcomes Brett Nemiroff, Numerical's VP of Engineering for Voice, to discuss the definitions of third-party call signing as it relates to the FCC's recent sixth report and order and sixth further notice of proposed rulemaking. 
So join us in our mission to promote transparency and collaboration to return trust to communications. Simply click the link to register and join us at the live show. Invite a friend and be sure to submit a question you'd like to have answered live. We hope to see you there.